0: Well, it's a great joy for me today to be with you celebrating the memorial of St. John Newman, whose relics are uh, right over there in that uh, little reliquary. We have um, uh, a piece, actually, of his bone. And uh, St. John Newman is, uh, you know, I'm personally excited uh, to be speaking about him because he there's, he has kind of a personal connection to me and to my priesthood. I'm going to we'll maybe talk a little bit about my own priesthood kind of, you know, by... Uh, um, by the side here as we speak about John Newman. Uh, he is as I said yesterday, we don't got a lot of American saints, um, but uh, the few that we do have we're very proud about and he's one of them. Even though he wasn't born in America, he was born in Bohemia but he came to America uh, because there were too many priests in Bohemia. Think about that, right? And they needed a priest in America. Okay, I wish we were in that situation nowadays. Um, so he was sent here, he was he was ordained here. Uh, this is in the middle of the 1800s or early part of the 1800s. And um, uh one special thing connection with me is that uh he was canonized on my on my uh the year that I was born. And then um, those when I was ordained someone gave me for my ordination gift his relics. So that that's kind of I feel like he's kind of, you know, this providential saint that's been uh put into my life and I'm for for whom I'm grateful. Well anyways, he was an immigrant from Bohemia. Um, he was uh uh, eventually he became a, a member of a religious order, the Redemptorists, okay. And he was happy being a member of this religious order and everything was going hunky-dory until, you know, someone got wind of him that he's pretty competent, intelligent, good leader and they asked him to become Bishop of Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, for a religious to do that, it's a big sacrifice because they, essentially a religious has to stop living their the religious life and when they, when they become a secular, uh, clergy. Um, because the, for a number of reasons, but the religious takes a vow of obedience to their superior. Well, when you become bishop, you don't have a superior. So you got, you're in effect basically kicked out of your order. I mean, essentially, you know, you're released from the, your order. That's what happened with Pope Francis. Pope Francis is a Jesuit. Uh, but when he was asked to be, um, bishop, Buenos Aires. Well, he's no longer basically a, a member. He's like an honorary kind of member of the Jesuits, but he's not really a Jesuit anymore. And then all the more so, obviously, when he becomes pope. So it's a big sacrifice for the religious to do that. But uh, you know, the Holy Father asked. Um, St. John Newman to become Bishop of Philadelphia, and he did. At that time, it was a, it, there was a lot of political tension because there was a huge influx of immigrants. Sound familiar? Huge influx of immigrants into America, mostly Irish and German. And uh, John Newman, though he was from Bohemia, he also spoke German, so that was very helpful for him because he, he knew German, he knew the culture, basically, so he could minister to the German immigrants that were coming over. And of course, he could speak English, so he was, you know, he could speak with the Irish. And um, there was a big backlash on the part of the Americans who had been in America for a few generations, and they're like, no, we don't want these immigrants coming in. There was a whole political party that was formed uh, that was anti-immigrant, anti-Catholic political party. It was called the Know-Nothings. Um, and... Uh, so it was a it was a very kind of heated time, and uh, there was a great need to minister to huge amounts of people, and he was the right man for the job. Um, he opened up, if we hear in our um, opening prayer about his education of the youth, it was under his um, Episcopal watch in Philadelphia that 200 Catholic schools were opened up. 200 Catholic schools were opened up. Can I say that again? 200 Catholic schools were opened up under him. Okay, so that's pretty awesome. He invited in like five to ten religious orders to educate, to run the social services that were going on, the hospitals, the orphanages, all that kind of stuff. So it was this huge, uh, booming... Um, you know, really, uh, a series of events that took place, and he was the right man for the job. It was under his watch that everything was organized and coordinated. Uh, to the end of his days, though, he really did identify with the poor, and he never really gave up his po- vows of poverty. And so to speak, as a religious, it is said that for the entire time that he was in America, thirty years or something like that, he had one pair of boots. He never got new pair. I get new pair of shoes every year he had a new, one pair of boots the whole time you know for example all right so um he always identified with the poor uh he's a he's a holy man i don't know this leads me to a lot of reflections i it's always a great um uh motivation killer and heartbreaker when you see clergy uh fail to live up to their vocation or their calling and they're convicted or proved of some kind of great sin or crime or whatever it might be and it's really, you know, it just, it really demoralizes the people of God Um, so it's wonderful to find clergy who have true integrity and who are real saints Um, and uh, I would ask for your prayers for me that I would be a man of integrity uh, for my whole life and for my my priestly career Um, and be like St. John Newman uh, whose prayers I, I depend upon and, um, you know, I believe he's got a kind of a special watch over me and uh, he's interceded in heaven for me. Um, also, his great love for Catholic education. I, I really think the the problem in the church today stems back to a lack of religious, uh, of education. It's a, you know, we, we don't have Catholic education uh, uh, like we used to have, and that leads to serious problems um, and that, I think, goes back further, is we don't have um, religious orders. The religious orders, where are they? Where are they? <laughs> I mean, they're virtually disappeared, you know. Um, the Catholic education depends on the selfless uh, apostolic labors of the religious orders. And so one depends on the other. They're, I mean, they're intimately tied. So, uh, you know, miracles aren't probably going to happen, but we still need to pray, that religious life is restored. Kids, Catholic kids, growing up today, they don't even know what a religious sister is. They don't even know what a nun is. You know, have no idea. Um, and you see here in the gospel, it's what's really great is you know they talk about uh, uh, Paul got a kick out of uh, Nathaniel's uh, forthright. What can anything good come out of uh, Nazareth? And uh, but the response though was, uh, well, come and see. And I hope you know as you as you as we get to know each other you can see you know we live together essentially i mean i'm i'm right here we're we're together every day um and hopefully i live a transparent life and you can see you know i'm a i'm a man of integrity um uh, but you know with religious life it's the same kind of way it's like there's no there would never the idea of becoming a religious sister would never enter into a young girl's mind unless she saw and knew and had interactions with uh, a religious sister. So you see, it's kind of a downward spiral. The lack, the less religious there are, the less religious that <laughs> are going to become are going to happen. You know. So um, how can that uh, downward spiral be reversed? I don't know, really. I, I really don't know. I don't have the answers, but certainly we should pray for it to be reversed. Um, so let's let's do that, my brothers and sisters. Let's pray for religious education. Catholic education. Let's pray for the religious orders. Um, And please also pray for your pastor as he strives to be uh, someone like St. John Newman.